So uh, uh, I will now ask you to, to stand for the honor of the word of the Lord. And we're going to look into the Psalms, chapter 42 and verse number 1. Amen. Psalms 42 and verse number 1. Thank you again for the privilege to be here and for your kindness and hospitality. I always feel at home when I come to Glen Ferris. Feels good being here. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so planteth my soul after thee, O God. I want to read that from the contemporary English version, and it reads like this. As a deer, as a deer gets thirsty for streams of water, I truly am thirsty for you, my God. Hallelujah. Got any deer hunters in the house? I know I'm in redneck country. Praise God. <laughs> and uh, uh, as the deer, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I want to preach to you today about a man that is named in all four of the Gospels, but you hardly ever hear anything mentioned about him except during the Easter celebration. And uh, that is simply Joseph of Arimathea. Would you pray with me, Lord? We stand before this wonderful people on this beautiful Sunday morning that you have given us. I'm asking you, Lord, to let the power of the Holy Ghost influence this preacher. God, speak in the name of Jesus a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge unto each one. Lord, let our lives be touched. Let them be changed and enriched. Let us leave here different, Lord, than the way we came. Bless, Lord, every man, woman, boy, and girl. In the name of the Lord Jesus, as only you can do. And everybody said a good, healthy amen. 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 You may be seated. Just to help you a little bit and lay a foundation, I'm reading from Matthew 27, 57. When the evening was come, there was a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged, everybody say begged. He begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And then I want to read from Mark 15, 43. Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved, everybody say craved, craved, craved the body of Jesus. Luke 23 and 50, and behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor. He was a good man and just. The same had not consented to the counsel indeed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, which also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And then from Gospel of John chapter 19, verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate 
that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave, and he came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. When you read these four accounts in each of the four Gospels, you are stricken with this personality, Joseph of Arimathea. Matthew says he begged the body of Jesus. Mark says he craved the body of Jesus. Uh, Luke says he begged the body of Jesus. And John says he besought the body of Jesus. I, I, uh, in looking at this and thinking about this man, Joseph, how that he was so passionate to desire the body of the Lord. You know the background. It's only been a few hours ago uh, that he was paraded in the streets of Jerusalem riding upon a, 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 a colt and they tore branches from the trees and they took off their robes and, and gave him a, a walkway that was befitting of royalty and they screamed and cried, Hail, Hosanna uh, to the highest. And it was the same multitude that in just hours later uh, began to cry for his crucifixion. And you know the account of the whole story. We, we cover it most often during the Easter season, that time between Good Friday and Resurrection morning. And Jesus has, he has uh, suffered the loneliness that he realized was coming when he prayed that, that lonely prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane where he took with him his disciples and, and uh, his three closest that he leaned on most often which was Peter, James and John and uh, as he went deeper into the garden he prayed and as uh, brother Pat told us in Sunday school he sweat as it were great drops of blood in that agonizing intercessory prayer and, and it's from that as you somebody said uh, years ago I heard preaching it, it's been itched indelibly in my mind that the closer you get to Calvary the smaller the crowd gets and from the great multitude that, that paraded him on that triumphal entry into the city now it's reduced down in the garden of Gethsemane to just uh, 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 that small little group of uh, I don't even know where Judas was exactly at that particular time. And we, we, we know that as it all unfolded, the betrayal of a kiss from Judas and, and then the arrest of Jesus and they bind him like a common criminal and they marshal him off to a, a, a trumped up trial and they have paid false witnesses that will testify against him and, and, and in just a little while the same ones that wanted to make him king are the same ones that say give us Barabbas and you take Jesus. And uh, while all of this is happening, of course, Jesus has gone to the cross. He's been impaled there. Uh, he, he gave his life for us. Paul said, you're not your own. 
but you've been bought with a price, even with the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, a higher price could not be paid than to give your life for that which you love. Aren't you glad Jesus loved you enough that he went to an old rugged cross and gave his life to be a sacrifice for your sin? Oh, I, I miss hearing Merle Ewing sing, it'll be different the next time you come, wait and see. Because this time you've got a lot of lonely children are waiting for you to come back. Hallelujah. Are you waiting for him to come back? I am. I'm looking forward to his coming. But in the midst of all of that, as Jesus hung on the cross, as he declared, it is finished, his disciples had vanished. The crowd has dissipated. And at, at the foot of the cross is where we find Jesus to where when he cries it is finished, he gives up the ghost. And when he does, there appears this fellow, Joseph of Arimathea. I want to dwell on the one passage where it says he craved the body of Jesus. Anybody here ever crave anything? Uh, if, if you're like me, a uh, preacher had me over here at quarter eight this morning, and I didn't even get to get my oatmeal. And uh, it's going to be lunchtime. I'm starting to crave something. <laughs> he asked me where I want to go to eat, and Sister Garlitz and I said, well, it don't matter. We, we can go to Geno's. We can go to McDonald's. Uh, we, we can go to Dairy Queen. We, we, you know, it don't have to be... Olive Garden or or uh, 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 what Texas Roadhouse or or Red Lobster, you know. Matter of fact, we got to drive up where I live. You got to drive an hour and a half to go to any of those places. <laughs> Praise God! It's either Burger King or McDonald's, or you get left out. <laughs> and uh, uh, the the word crave it says he craved the body of Jesus. So I, I looked that up. Uh, how many are glad for Wikipedia? You know, used to be when I'd prepare a sermon, I'd have them lined up. I have a half a dozen books piled up around my desk and looking through all of them and write my notes in longhand. Thank God for computers and e-sword. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyhow, I looked up Wikipedia and it says the word crave. The word crave is a transitive verb and, and it means to ask for earnestly or to beg it means to want greatly. It means to yearn for. Every once in a while, I get a yearning, a craving. I want it, ice cream. I've went out of my way 40 miles just to get an ice cream cone before. Has anybody ever done something stupid like that besides me? Now, I've never been pregnant, but they tell me that pregnant mommies, they'll crave all kind of crazy stuff at 2 o'clock in the morning. And one of my friends told me, he said his wife, Brother Martin, his wife was craving pickles at 2 a.m. in the morning, and he had to get out of bed, go out into a cold winter's night, and get in the car and go find something was open and buy her some dill pickles. She was craving dill pickles. I don't know what you crave, but I'm sure everybody in here has something that you crave from time to time. I looked up the synonyms of the word crave. It means to ache for. Any teenagers in here ache for pizza once in a while? It, it means to covet. It means to desire. 
It means to die for. My little uh, nephew, his name is Asher. He's a year old yesterday. And they had a birthday party for him. And I didn't get to be there and it's your fault. But I'm praying for forgiveness. But they made him a birthday cake, one year old. And they put that in front of that little fella on his high chair. And, and the pictures posted on Facebook last night and this morning. And he's got purple, purple icing from his forehead to his chin, up his nose, round his eyes. I mean, he went into that cake face first. Yeah. Did you ever crave something like that? You know, those of you that like to spend time in the woods, I crave October. I do. I crave October. I can't hardly wait, Brother Bounds, for October to get here so I can take my bow a walk in the woods and climb up a ladder stand and sit there and watch the squirrels and, and the birds and hope that maybe there might be a, a deer come by and if it does, fine. If it don't, fine. I just, I just crave the smell of the woods. I, I, I get that HS Sense cover spray. It smells like fresh earth. And I spray it on all my clothes while I'm sitting there in that tree stand. I went hunting up Pennsylvania with my brother-in-law and, and my sister gave me a bedroom to stay in and, and uh, uh, for the first three days of Pennsylvania hunting season. And uh, uh, I changed my clothes and all in the bedroom. I went back last year and my brother-in-law said, Danny, uh, Mary Beth wants you to change your clothes in the basement. She said, after you left last year, her house smelled like dirt for two weeks. <laughs> Crave. Do I have anybody in here that craves anything from time to time? It means to hunger for. It means to itch. I got it. I got an itch for uh, whatever. Uh, it it uh, it means to pant after. It means to pine for. Uh, it, it means to salivate for. You know, there are some things, if, I, if, if I'm craving it, I can think about it, and my mouth will get all full of saliva, tasting it in my imagination. It means to thirst for it. It means to wish for. All these are synonyms of the word crave. I, I sort of feel like this morning that, that I'm in, in the company of some people that are craving Jesus like you've never craved him before. Anybody here craving Jesus? You hungry for Jesus today? Are you thirsting after Jesus today? I, I, want, us, I want us to reflect on Matthew 5 and 6 where Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, you have just as much of Jesus as you want and crave for or as little of Jesus as you're willing to be satisfied with. 
I, I am absolutely intrigued by this fellow, Joseph of Arimathea. He is a member of the Sanhedrin. He's a man of wealth and honor and respect. He's called a counselor. And, and one thing that I, I'm amazed about is that every one of the gospel writers include him in the resurrection story. That's the impact that he made. When you uh, reflect upon Joseph of Arimathea and his character, uh, I want to take us today in a little journey and walk through in this message and, and see how we can apply and reflect it into our own lives and our own devotion toward Jesus. Now, although a lot is not said about this man except what these four writers have written, uh, this man's actions help remove the shame of Jesus hanging on the cross overnight and provided a burial for him. All four Gospels show that although Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin, he was also a believer in Christ. Mark and Luke mention with subtlety that Joseph was looking forward to the kingdom. You know, uh, if you talk about the coming of the Lord, to some people they think you're a religious fanatic. But ladies and gentlemen, of that day and hour knoweth no man, but rest assured, he's coming back. Rest assured, he's coming back. I, I remember... I remember years ago when Brother Nathaniel Urshan had us questing and looking for revival. One of the things he thought was so important is that the church be constantly aware of the soon coming of the Lord. And so he established uh, prophecy conferences all over every region in the United States, North America. There was prophecy conferences going on. One of my friends went to one in Fort, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. And, and uh, when he got back, I called him. I said, did, did you have a good time? Oh yeah, we had a great time. And uh, my friend was what we call pre-trib rapture. That's, that's a Jesus is coming back for his church uh, before the tribulation period. And uh, he said they had all kinds of speakers. They had, they had pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and no-trib. And he said they all got to, they all got to, uh, to teach and afterwards they, they had uh, uh, question and answers. And everybody could answer. So, well, I listened to pre-trib. That's what I believed. And, and uh, I thought, man, I, that's good. I, I'm, I'm in line. Then they spoke about maybe mid-trib. And that made a little bit of sense. I thought, that, well, he had some good ideas. And then another one got up and said he was post-trib. And I listened to him. And, and even he had some good points. I said, well, what did you come home with knowing? He said, I came home knowing one thing. Jesus is coming back. And I don't know when. Hallelujah. But to them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't crave his soon return, you might find yourself missing it. Mm. John added a little more detail than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's he, he says that Joseph was a disciple, but he kept it secret out of fear of the Jews. Now, there's no doubting in my mind his allegiance, this man, Joseph of Arimathea, when he boldly goes in before Pilate and all four writers record the event. He's either besought or he begged 
or he craved the body of Jesus. When he did that, he drew a line in the sand. When he did that, he shouted loud and clear who he had allegiance to. His request was astonished because you got to know that when Joseph of Arimathea made this request before the king, that he stood to lose everything. What did you give up to come to Jesus? Some habit that'll make you die before you're supposed to? A lifestyle of sin and immorality? What did you give up to come to Jesus? Joseph of Arimathea laid it all on the line when he craved the body of Jesus. His influence as a member of the elite Sanhedrin. His reputation and maybe perhaps even his life because you know at this particular junction Jesus was not real popular in Jerusalem. And that's why his disciples all went helter-skelter after Calvary. And so here's this man Regardless of the cost, Joseph, along with his friend Nicodemus, they took the body of Jesus off of the cross, they wrapped it in spices, and they buried him in a freshly cut tomb. Joseph's secret was out. There was no turning back. I wonder what the noise and the chatter was throughout the city. Have you heard? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, not Peter, not James, not John, not Andrew, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. They're the ones that went and took the body of Jesus off of the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus' body had to be saved from insult. And not one of his disciples dare step forward and advance to claim it. If it had been left up to the Romans, they would have just flung it along with a lot of other bodies into a common pit. Or maybe they would have burned it in the valley of Hinnom. But Joseph did this good service. He craved the body of Jesus. And he went and begged for it. He besought it. He craved it. And he buried it in a tomb that he had built for his own use. The act of Joseph marked him from that forward on. In the council, among his friends, among those that he sat with in the Sanhedrin, he confessed Jesus by his act. When I was a boy growing up, my daddy used to he used to sell Bibles when he was evangelizing and, and little religious plaques and things you could hang up on your house. And I remember this particular one. It, it, was, it was like on a piece of uh, a compressed cardboard and maybe a little bigger than eight by ten. And, and it was purple and, and in glitter writing. It said, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I remember that so well. But when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took Jesus' body down from the cross, they declared, you see, when you got out of bed this morning 
And you gentlemen that were in the class at eight o'clock, you were declaring Jesus. And when you showed up for Sunday school at 10 o'clock, you were declaring Jesus. And when you gather in here at 11 o'clock for the celebration of worship, you're declaring Jesus. When you put your tithe in the, in the offering plate, you are declaring Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you don't go where the world goes and you don't talk like the world talks, when you don't dress like the world dresses and you don't entertain like the world entertains, you know what you're doing? You're declaring Jesus, hallelujah. You're letting your family, you're letting your friends, you're letting your coworkers know, I'm a Jesus man. Or I'm a Jesus woman. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be a one God apostolic. I'm glad to be a part of a united Pentecostal church. But more than anything else, I'm glad. I'm glad to declare I am a Jesus man. Hallelujah. And I crave him. I crave him. I crave him. Hallelujah. Why don't you all clap your hands and worship him just a minute. Come on, let's give him praise like you crave him. Oh, oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When we look at this man, Joseph of Arimathea, there's a couple things that stand out to me that I want to just bring your attention to. And the first thing is simply this. Don't follow the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. I had, I had a most wonderful Christian mother in all the world. And uh, I was wanting to do something as a teenager with some of my friends. We lived in Romney in Hampshire County. And uh, the south branch of the Potomac flows through Hampshire County. There's an old steel bridge. It's since gone and been replaced by a new modern bridge. But there was an old steel bridge there. It was almost a mile long. I raced my 1953 Buick across it. Of course, you never did anything like that. You're such a good man and, and behaved so well and all that. Uh, but uh, I wanted to do something with some of my friends. And mom said, no, you're not going. I talked to your dad. Your dad said, you're not going. So you're just not going. And uh, I was more afraid of my dad than I was God. <laughs> Anybody else got a dad around here like that? Uh, and she said, she said these words. She said, Danny, if all your friends go out there and jump off the bridge in the South Branch, you going to go join them? Well, it was a stupid question, Mom. No, I'm not going to jump off the bridge. I heard there was people jumping off a bridge yesterday. Of course, you're all used to bridge day, and I know that don't fascinate you anymore. But there was people jumped off that bridge yesterday. Uh, even if they had a parachute, I wouldn't even jump off it with a parachute. But this man, Joseph, he... he he was willing to step out from the crowd and say, I'm going to go. Hey, Nicodemus, Jesus' body's up there hanging on the cross. I don't know what planning went on between those two, but they went and craved the body of Jesus, and they went and got it, took it down from the cross. Uh, 
The culture today wants you to fall in line with what they're doing. And just because everybody's doing it, don't make it the right way. Yeah. Just because, you know, uh, if, if you stand for what we should stand for as Pentecostal apostolics, just, just by standing, you separate yourself from the vast majority of today's culture. Hallelujah. I still believe abortion is killing unborn babies. I still believe that when you were born in Ruby Memorial Hospital and the doctor came out with that little bundle of joy and put it in your arms and says, congratulations, Mr. Smales, you have a healthy baby boy. That's what you had is a boy. Because the Bible says in the beginning... God created them male and female created he them. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a little bit old fashioned. I about had it right up to here with these people wanting to tell our three year olds or, or third graders that, that they don't know, you know, you might be a girl, you might be a boy. We just want you to know you have options. No, you don't have. Whatever the doctor said, I, you know, I almost feel like saying what Donald Trump said about that, but I, I don't want to do that while I'm preaching. <laughs> Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is where? In the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And because he takes a stand, there are benefits. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth her fruit in her season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a lot of people that out there that want to tell you how to prosper. I just told you how to prosper. Make him first in your life. And when you make him first, all these other things will be added to your life. Hallelujah. I, w- I was thinking of a, of, of a teenager. As near as I could tell from the study of scripture, and maybe pastor could make it a little more plain, uh, Daniel was something like 17 years old when he was taken into captivity in Babylon and he and some of his friends. And, and uh, because you see, uh, there was a message went out said, uh, it, in, in the captivity, I want you to sort through all of those that we take. I want you to get the smart ones. I want you to get the good looking ones. I, I want you to, I want you to interview uh, some men that, that I can place in authority and leadership over these people while we're in captivity. And, and Daniel and, and three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you've heard about them. They, they were chosen out of all the rest. And, 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 and so 
there was a time of training and orientation and discipline that was to be taught them. And, and so the keeper of the eunuch said, uh, here, here's what I want you. I want you to eat the king's meat, drink the king's wine. I, I want you to live under the disciplines that I'm going to uh, prepare for you. And if you'll do that, and if you'll be responsive, if you'll, you, if, if, if you'll do what I'm asking you to do, uh, your captivity will be better than everybody else's because uh, it's in our ability to make your life uh, better or worse. Daniel said, oh, oh, King, we're not careful how we're going to answer that. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me make a deal with you. Let, let's take a space of time and give me and my friends, uh, uh, just uh, put us on a, a vegetable diet and let us drink water and, and then you can test us after it's over and, and see, take a stand. They took a stand. It was going to cost them everything, but they took a stand. They'd rather take a stand and be counted for Jesus than cave in and go with the ungodly. Let me say something to you young people here today. I'm glad that you're in the house of God on a Sunday morning. I'm glad you're a part of youth group. I'm, I'm so thankful you go to youth camp. I'm thankful for youth congress. Thank God for young men with backbone and young women with integrity that say, take the whole world. Just give me Jesus. I crave Jesus more than I crave Britney Spears. I crave Jesus more than any rock and roll band. Hallelujah. You see, it was, it was his choice. When they, when they checked Daniel and his friends out, they were found to be 10 times more fair, 10 times their complexion more clear, 10 times more intelligent than all of the others. What did that decision do? When, when you... When you talk about Daniel, what's the first thing you often think of? You think about a lion's den. Do you know what? He was 80 years old when he went to the lion's den. He was 17 when he took his stand. But that stand that he took as a teenager sustained him for his whole life. Don't let anybody tell you if you stay in the church as a teenager, you don't have many smarts. Come here. Don't, don't, don't let anybody. Come on, stand right up here. Don't be afraid of me. I ain't gonna hurt you. <laughs> Thank God for men like this that'll stand. Not just because daddy's a preacher, but he stands because he's in love with God and because he craves Jesus. And he said, I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like him. Nobody's making me do it. This is how I want to live. You decide for you. I decide for me. And the choice is mine. And this is what I choose. Anybody else here will stand and say, I choose to be a Jesus man. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Glory. Another thing that stands out to me about Joseph of Arimathea is he stood for what was right. Yes, sir. He stood against, when, when you read the accounts in the Gospels, said he consented not to what the Sanhedrin wanted to do to annihilate Jesus, wipe him off, get him out, get him out of the picture. But he consented not. Don't bow to the pressure you get at work. Don't bow to the pressure you get at school. I remember telling my daughter when she was going to, uh, fixing to go to college, out of high school. 
And uh, she came home and she had a list. She'd been with the advisor and she had a list of all these classes. And she was a psychology major. And the first semester they wanted to put her in a class of philosophy. And I sat down with my, with my baby and I said, honey, daddy, daddy's not going to tell you not to take philosophy, but I am going to tell you, put it off to your senior year. Put it off to your senior year. Why, daddy? I said, when you take philosophy, you know what they're going to do? They're going to tell you that Jesus is just a God out of many gods. And that Christianity is just a religion out of many religions. I want you to be a little more settled and a little more older before that stuff starts being challenged in your mind and in your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell again to all you young folks, you're not an apostolic church and don't be in an apostolic church just because your mommy or daddy is or because your grandma and grandpa is, but you get it because you crave Jesus and you looked in the word of God and you found out it's true. And you're going to be like you're going to be like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you're going to take a stand for what's right. Amen. Amen. And I'm hurrying along because I know you're all craving lunch. Third thing I get out of out of this little bit of of lesson is he followed Jesus. We don't know how vocal Joseph was in opposition to the Sanhedrin. Does it say? But he was against their plan. However, we do know for sure that Joseph risked everything when he asked Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9. He said, for whosoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life because of me will save it. I got a phone call uh, week four last from a friend in Rhode Island and uh, he said Brother Garlitz uh, I've lost a mentor in my life and uh, he died and, and he said I've been praying asking God for somebody that I could just call once in a while and get advice from and so on and he said, As in my prayer time, I was asking the Lord to show me who I should replace my mentor with. And he said, I saw your face. He said, would you, would you be my spiritual advisor and counselor? Would you? I was just blown away. Blown away. He's, he's a wonderful man of God, been a home missionary, done a great job. And... Uh, I said, well, sure, brother, I'll be, I'll be most honored you'd even ask me. And we began to talk, and he said, Brother Garlitz, I'm a graduate of the Apostolic Bible Institute, ABI. And uh, he said there was 59, 59 graduates in my graduating class, 59. He said, I kept, I've kept track of all 59 of them. He said, would you believe it if I told you that there's only 15 of them out of 59 that are still standing for the apostolic faith? Bible school graduates. What happened? 15 out of 59. What happened to all those other boys and girls, young men and women? 
Somewhere along the line, they caved in to the pressure of the culture. Paul said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. I've come to warn somebody today, you can't be successful in serving God with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You gotta take a stand. You gotta declare whose side you're on. You, you gotta come, you gotta come face to face to the stark reality of truth. That as for me and my house, Joshua said, we're gonna serve the Lord. Praise God. And so I hurry to close. It says he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we follow Jesus by doing what we're doing here today. We follow Jesus by obeying his word and making its practical application in our lives. We, we follow Jesus by allowing the example of his life be copied in our lives. Apostle Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He cared for Jesus. And just to refresh, Matthew 27 says he begged the body. Mark says he craved it. Luke says he begged it. John says he besought it. And when he took the body of Jesus, he gave something. He contributed something. What did it cost him to have that grave dug out of a stone? He had it prepared for him when it was his time to go so his children wouldn't have to worry about they were going to, where they were going to bury daddy. But when you crave Jesus, you're willing to give up something that's dear to you. When I was fresh out of college, I had an opportunity to go to work for Sears Roebuck and Company. At the time, Sears was the number one retailer in the whole world. Everybody was shouting about the great tower that they built in Chicago, Sears Roebuck and Company. The plan was that I would be a millionaire if I'd work for Sears until retirement. I'd be a millionaire. The closest apostolic church was in Buffalo, New York. It snows in New York in the month of January every day. Lake effect off of Lake Erie. And 45 miles up, 45 miles back for Sunday school, another 90 miles for evening service in the midst of the winter and the snow. I finally decided it wouldn't be bad if I just went on Sunday morning. And then one Sunday morning, they had a big snowstorm come in, and I found myself in a Trinity Pentecostal Sunday school. Great folks, nice, treated me good, honored me. We went home from Sunday school. We enjoyed the time, met some new people. And I told my wife, I said, I, I, I think I'm going to go back tonight. And I'm going to tell that pastor I can't come to church here anymore. He said, why? I said, sir, you don't baptize like I think you ought to be baptized. Well, how was that? I said, I, I believe the Bible teaches and practiced 
There's only one way to be baptized, and that's in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And I believe you have to have the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues as the earnest of your walk with God and the fulfillment of being born again. And he said, oh, no, 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 Mr. Garth. He said, uh, 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 that's, that's all right. You can go to church here and still believe that. But I went back to my house and, and I told my sweet little wife, I'm sorry, we're not going to do that. We went home back to Kaiser and they was having revival that weekend. And one of our West Virginia young men was just starting out in ministry, was preaching the revival. And that Sunday night, it was over the Christmas, New Year's season, that Sunday night, I wore my pastor out. I got in the altar and I began to crave Jesus. There's an old song we sing when I was a boy. I want more of Jesus. More and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I ever had before. I want more of His great love so rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus so I'll give Him more of me. And that night as we went back, we were staying with her mom and dad before we went back to New York. And I said, honey, we're going back to New York. I'm going to, I'm going to resign. She said, you're going to what? I'm going to resign. I can't take it anymore. I've got to have Jesus. I'll never forget when I made the call. I remember the man's name all these years later, DJ Corey in Philadelphia, who was our, our regional manager. And I said, uh, uh, Mr. Corey, I'm, uh, I'm tendering my resignation. You'll get it in the mail in a few days. I'm going to go back home. Why do you want to go back home? I said, sir, because when I was a teenager, I felt a call to preach. But I've got away from that. But now I feel like that's the destiny of my life and I, I have no more time for Sears. I traded in my suit, my white shirt, tie. I even wore matching puffs back then. And I traded it in for steel toe shoes and a gray work uniform. And I cleaned restrooms for dirty factory workers. But I was craving Jesus. You're not, Danny, you're going to give up the possibility of being a millionaire at retirement age? Let me tell you what. Don't let, I'm speaking to somebody right now. Don't you entertain the thought that for being what God's called you to be, you're going to lose out on life. Let me tell you something. I've been to Africa 12 times. I've I, I visited the most wonderful game drives. You like wildlife. I'm talking about game drives where people pay seven, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000 to go there. I went for four hundred dollars because it's part of a missionary trip. I've stayed in the best hotels, ate the best food, preached all over the place. And I can look back on my life and say, look what the Lord has done. I'm telling some young person here today, don't you trash your future for what this world will offer you. 
Don't you trade your birthright for the promises of God. Don't you trade your blessing for a little bit of this world's porridge. What could this man have become? What place in our society and culture would he be feeling right now? But like Moses, he chose rather to suffer the affliction of the righteous than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Brother Martin, to succeed in the calling that God has put on your life, there are some things you're going to have to fail at so you can be successful in what God's called you to be. Oh, God. Holy Ghost just moved in here right now. Can you feel it? Lift your hands. You don't have to stand up. Just lift your hands right where you're at. It's altar time right now. You want more of Jesus, get out of your seat and come and tell him about it. You've been struggling and there's a battle going on in your heart and mind about how close you want to be to him. He sent me here today to challenge you that if you'll draw close to him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Would you fill up this front today? Would you gather in here with me as a church family and let's talk to God. I crave you, Jesus. I crave you, Lord Jesus. I desire you. Oh, God. I choose you above everything else in this life and all things, Lord, that this world could offer me. I crave you, Jesus. Hallelujah. As our musicians would come hurriedly back to the music. Let's go. Let's talk to him, folks. Come on here just for a little while before we get out of here and go to lunch today. Jesus, I give you my life in a new way. Jesus, I surrendered you in a new way. I hold nothing back, Lord. Withholding nothing, God, I come to you today. Withholding nothing, Lord, I've come to surrender to you today. Withholding nothing, Jesus, my life belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Come on, let's, let's empty ourselves out before the Lord for a little while here today. Jesus, change me. Jesus, move me. Jesus, speak into my life. Speak into my heart. Jesus, I want to stand for you. Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to make a declaration today in my spirit. I crave you, Lord. I'm craving more of you, Jesus. I crave more of you, Almighty God.